Welcome to Lyme Time. I'm Allie from the Tick Chicks. We are all more than Lyme disease and chronic illness, and together we stand with you to overcome and rise. I'll bring you closer to the experts in cutting-edge treatments and even a few unexpected ways of healing. I'll ask the questions you want answers to regarding Lyme disease and successful ways of getting you closer to 100%. We are in this together and will not be defined by Lyme. All right, so welcome to Lyme Time. Today, my guest is Justin, who I guess I met over social media, um, Instagram. His Instagram handle is Justin is not a doctor. And I really responded to how he conducts his Instagram and, and how passionate he is about changing lives and changing uh, mindset and being super proactive within your own journey and helping you decode and demystify a lot of ingredients on labels, a lot of um, just things that we are doing within our own homes every day, within our diets, and really understanding that you can control a lot of what is going on symptomatically through just doing some research on your own. He's an everyday guy, um, and I'm so excited to have him here uh, just to share a little bit about his journey and also how he got to where he is now, which is to embark on a journey of now helping others. So Justin, welcome, welcome to Lime Time. Thank you, Ali. I really appreciate it, and I'm certainly excited to be here. I want to start by talking about your own personal journey, you know, and I don't know how far it goes back, but we'd, I'd like to just start there. How did you get to where you are today? So this is, uh, unfortunately, it's not a simple question. Um, you know, I, I this, this goes way back for me. So this goes back to when I was in my parents' basement every day, you know, when I was a teenager, because we found out much later on that there was mold down there. So but I, I won't get to that right now. Um, but, you know, when I was a junior in high school, um, I was diagnosed with mono. And I was out of school for two months. Um, and, you know, before that, I hadn't been treating my body that great. You know, I got into partying when I was way too young. You know, and this is a, another topic as well. Um, that probably contributed to my body's inability to deal with certain things, you know? Um, but, you know, I wasn't treating my body that well. And I thought it made sense that I had a, a mono diagnosis because, you know, uh, I was just overworking my body and it, it was explained to me that, you know, that kind of thing can happen from just, you know, overworking yourself. You know, I was all over the place, you know, I was, you know, extremely active socially, but I also wanted to be a good student. Um, so I was on, you know, every spectrum possible and I was just, you know, not, not focused on health, you know. Um, the funny thing is at that time, you know, I was spending a lot of time, this might sound weird, but I was spending a lot of time like in the woods. Um, you know, uh, we, we would build fires and stuff like that, me and my friends, and we would, you know, we would do that late at night and stuff like that. Um, so I just remember that after that my mono diagnosis, which um, 
you know, we don't know if it was actually a correct diagnosis or if there was, you know, other things going on on top of mono. Um, but I never really fully recovered from that. I, I just, I just remember, you know, when I finally went back to school, just thinking, you know, man, like I don't feel the same, you know, I just never got the same vibrance back that I did. Um, so, you know, I just, I just went on, you know, about my life as a kid would do, you know, and I, I just started to think that, you know, maybe I'm just shot, you know, maybe I did too much partying. Um, and I started when I was too young, you know, I started partying when I was in eighth grade, you know, and this is stuff that I want to make sure that I say, because, you know, I find it so funny because like, I used to be the type of person that would say, and it's true that it's total BS, like, you know, drugs aren't going to kill you. Alcohol is not going to kill you. Um, that stuff is a bad message to send because, you know, kids know that it's not true, right? Like if you lie to kids, they're not going to listen. And that was my mentality was like, alcohol is not going to kill me. Drugs aren't going to kill me. You know, if I mess around with some, you know, lightweight things, these things aren't going to affect me. But the, the truth that I know now is that that overload on my body contributed to long-term health problems that I can't, my body wasn't able to deal with because of the strain I was already putting on my body. So that, that's, you know, a, a, a message that I want to get across. Um, it's very, it's very important uh, just to interject in here. Um, yeah. Extremely important for people to understand how much the wear and tear affects your immunity and how it just starts, you know, decreasing your ability to react in a positive way. Um, I want to ask you though, before that point, before you got mono, had you had anything else in your, in your past that, that signaled that you were sensitive or overloaded in any way where you are, were you just a normal guy? Yeah. So actually I, I developed, um, you know, it's hard for me to remember at this point, I think it developed around the same time that I was diagnosed with mono that I started to get bouts of extreme anxiety, uh, panic attacks. You know, I had panic attacks throughout college, which, you know, people, you know, my friends around me wouldn't have even known, you know, because that I was very good at hiding it. Um, and I also, I should say, dealt with extreme insomnia. So, and this is something that I haven't talked about on my, my Instagram with my massive 250 followers, but this is another thing that I really want to talk about is insomnia. You know, I don't know where that came from. You know, it sort of hit me, you know, at some point when I was in high school, you know, again, I think it was around the same time. The whole thing's kind of a blur to me because at, at the time I wasn't thinking about it too much, you know, at the time, I just, I loved life so much. It, it's weird to say, but I was an extremely happy kid. You know, I loved school. I loved hanging out with my friends. And I thought that I just couldn't sleep at night because, you know, I was just this very hyperactive individual. Um, but thinking back to it, you know, I think all of these things are related. You know, sure. I think the, the insomnia, the anxiety, the mono diagnosis. So if you you know, if I could fast forward a little bit, um, 
you know, I went through college okay. Like I didn't feel great throughout college, but I, I sort of, you know, I was just the type of individual that just like put how I felt to the side. And I just like, you know, drank enough beers that I could hang out with people and, you know, but, but my hangovers were horrific. I mean, that's another thing. That's another sign that your body is overloaded with toxins and chemicals when, you know, my friends would, you know, we would drink the same amounts, me and my friends, and, and they would wake up and be fine. And like, you know, you get the hangover, like, oh, I have a headache. But then, you know, they would say, oh, well, once I get, you know, go get a bagel and a water, I'm fine. And then we would be able to go off and do the next thing. And, you know, at that age, you can typically bounce back very quickly. You know, we know everybody gets hung over, but my hangovers were like ridiculous, you know, so like just loss of functionality, my whole next day would be shot. Um, so, you know, after college, I, I continued to sort of just ignore it. But then it got to a point where I stopped doing all these things. You know, I gave up the going out with my friends on Fridays and Saturday nights. Um, I gave up doing a lot of things, you know, not that, again, the, a huge thing that I want to make clear is I was never like a, a junkie or somebody who was like over abusing alcohol. I'm talking about using alcohol in the same way that normal college students do and young people do, you know, um, you know, and experimenting with drugs here and there. I'm not talking about anything crazy. You know, I was always a good kid, just doing things that other kids do. Um, you know, I stayed in great physical shape. I was always exercising. I was always working out to the extent that I could. I would be exhausted after I'd work out, but I would do it anyway. Um, but around when I was 23, 24, you know, again, it's kind of a blur. Um, I was just like, you know what, like something's not working here. Something's not right. Um, I started going to my doctor all the time, my primary doctor. And I'm, I'm going to try to speed this up. But, um, you know, my primary doctor was telling me you're perfectly healthy. Nothing's wrong with you, blah, blah, blah. He said, just, you know, reduce your alcohol, reduce your caffeine. And I'm like, doc, I'm not going out anymore. I'm not drinking at the bars anymore because I don't even have energy to make it to the bar anymore. And, you know, it was almost like he didn't believe me. You know, he looked at me. I looked good. I looked healthy. That's the other thing. When people tell you, oh, you look fantastic. Uh, you know, that <laughs> I'm sure you've dealt with that, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely are standing there looking at another individual going, I barely am standing here. And yep. yet I look normal to you. Yep. Uh, especially women, I think. You know, I would have dark, dark circles. Same. Um, whenever I go into an episode, I get these really dark circles under my eyes. But, yep. you know, I have makeup. And I, you know, if I had to be somewhere at like a client dinner or doing something like that, you know, you just show up and you just get through it. But no, nobody would ever really have known by just looking at me on the outside. Right. So that, that was something that really frustrated me. And I had people telling me that, oh, you're, you're really stressed. You, you're probably stressed out. And stress can cause these problems. Stress can cause fatigue. Stress can cause muscle aches. Stress can cause headaches. I was waking up every day with a splitting headache and I wasn't drinking any alcohol. You know, a splitting, when you wake up every day with a splitting headache, I'm sorry, but that's not normal. But at the time, you know, again, I, I just kept coming back to the fact of, you know, maybe, 
maybe this is just how it is. Maybe, you know, I'm just, I can't wake up in the mornings. Maybe my genetically, I need a lot of sleep. I needed like 10 hours of sleep at night, uh, every night. And, and if I didn't get nine to 10 hours of sleep, I was shot. You know, I was just shot. And, you know, when I'm a very ambitious person, I've always been. And what really got to me, I don't want to jump ahead if you were going to ask this question, but what, what, what really got to me was my inability to perform in jobs that I took. And I had to quit several jobs um, because I couldn't handle the energy that it took. I, you know, in, some, in one job I was commuting, you know, I live in New Jersey right outside of New York City and I was commuting into New York City and that's a very intense commute. You know, it's one and a half hours each way. When you add a demanding job on top of that, you know, most ambitious young kids can handle that, right? But I couldn't. So when I had to quit a job, that's when I was like, this is effed up. You know, this is something, something's effed up. Like, I don't care what my doctor's telling me. I don't care what my friends and family are telling me. I look great. Something's wrong. And it was really eating at me. Um, finally, I, you know, I, I spoke to a friend from college, a female friend who, um, she said, you know what, you sound like you have a lot of the similar problems to me. And I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and she referred me to a doctor that was very, you know, literate in Lyme. Um, and I actually still see this doctor to this day. Um, you know, she's an internal medicine doctor and, you know, she's very familiar with Lyme. And, um, we sent my blood out to a, a special, a specialty lab in California, which, you know, I had already previously been tested with the regular Western blot you know, many times, many times and, and tested for a bunch of the, the ordinary things, you know, and um, that test came back positive. Um, and I started learning about Lyme and about how, you know, I, I started finding out about other people that I knew through my network um, that dealt with Lyme. And so I started learning a lot about it. I was also diagnosed with a co-infection of Lyme called Bartonella. Um, which a lot of people don't know that I feel, I feel people aren't really, you know, knowledgeable about the co-infections that very often are, are attached to Lyme, um, but could require different type of treatment. Um, so yeah, do you want me to stop there? Is that it? I don't know if I'm- That's good. I mean, I, I love the story, you know, sort of leading up to that. And then you got the diagnosis with Lyme, which- you know, it sounds so weird, but so many people say, thank God, because I have been searching and searching and searching for the, whatever was wrong in my, in my blood. And now I have found it. And so it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you have something that you're going to be living with for a very long time. And yet there is a profound relief in being able to label it and get to work on on you know the treatment so did you try antibiotics first i did i did and so that's the very first thing that my doctor wanted to do um despite the fact that you know like well i clearly have had lyme disease for a long time <laughs> you know and based on the personal research that i've done antibiotics are not very effective unless you catch lyme like in the very early stages now i'm you know, as I say on my Instagram, I'm not a doctor. So this is just stuff that I'm reading. And, you know, basic, very basic knowledge that I have is that antibiotics don't work unless it's very early stage. Once it gets into the chronic stage, as we know, you know, the Lyme really digs into your 
blood and into your organs and, and hides and it's like a very smart bug um, so it's very hard to kill it off with antibiotics but nevertheless my doctor wanted to put me on antibiotics um, and you know one thing is I did notice feeling horrendous after I started taking the, the antibiotics which is I was probably definitely herxing um, to an extent you know which you know, I'm sure you've explained to your audience what herxing is, but you know, that's supposedly when you're killing off the, the bugs and they're releasing the toxins. It's a violent um, reaction when you start antibiotic treatment and it actually, yes, it resurfaces the Lyme symptoms. And yeah. so it's, it makes going on antibiotics extremely difficult. So yeah. 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 So at that, at that age, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just listening to my doctor. And after about three months, I was just feeling horrific. You know, nothing was improving. And, and at that time, you know, I was just like, I, you know, I had no patience. You know, I, I was just like, I, I got to I gotta find, you know, a different doctor. I, I got to figure out what's going on here or, you know, just give up on this because this isn't working, you know. So I ended up getting referred by a different a friend's stepfather who was dealing with it that was seeing one of the you know most renowned Lyme doctors who happens to be right near where where I lived um, went to see her and she also wanted me to wanted to put me on antibiotics but um, she was the one that actually introduced me to the fact that I also had Bartonella um, so she put me on different antibiotics mm -hmm. and I ended up doing antibiotics in total between both doctors for about a year um wow yeah which and how, and how did you feel immediately getting off of them and then you know a few months down the road how what were what was your stages well when i first started the, the round of antibiotics i remember feeling worse um when it got to about you know after the first three months i would say i just notice no difference, no positive or negative. So, and the, you know, the thing is, I had so much going on in my life that it was hard to differentiate, you know, what was due to the antibiotics and what wasn't. So overall, you know, I have no idea if, you know, to this day, I don't know how much of an effect the antibiotics had as far as killing off, you know, Lyme bugs and Bartonella bugs. Mm -hmm. um, they certainly could have contributed heavily or, or mildly. You know, I, I just have no clue. So um, about six months after the antibiotics, would you say your symptoms had decreased or, or did you still basically have a version of what you had had before you started the antibiotics? I'm just curious. Yeah, so with, with me, and I want to be really careful because... I really don't know how many people could maybe have life-changing effects from antibiotics. So everything that I say, I want to be really careful. I just want to say for me personally, and, and the second Lyme doctor that I saw, she told me almost definitively, she was like, yeah, I think your mono diagnosis when you were in a junior in high school was actually Lyme and it went undiagnosed and that led to you having Lyme for almost 10 years now undiagnosed so you know when you're at almost at a decade in with Lyme and I you know again apparently antibiotics aren't going to be that effective so I just want to say that just for me personally sure 
at the end of the day, uh, I didn't really see a positive effect from, from antibiotics, unfortunately. And let me ask you how your parents were during all of this and how your family, you know, uh, was reacting. Because I know that there are a lot of younger adults listening to this who may or may not have the support of their family. And I'm just curious to know because, you know, as a parent, if you're hearing complaints about this kind of thing from your otherwise active and completely energetic child, how, how, did, how did that relationship go along the journey with you? Yeah, so it's an interesting uh, journey because, you know, when I was young, and I would complain about not feeling well, you know, my, my, my father, my dad never really got involved in it, in any of this. He's just the type of guy that like, you know, he doesn't like, you try to talk to my dad about, you know, gluten or something like, he's like, what, what are you talking about? Initially? <laughs> so this was always like, I'll, I'll just refer to this to my mom because my mom's always been the one that was involved in my health and, and you know, <laughs> actually receptive to what's going on. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, my mom, she would always say, well, look at what you're doing. You know, you're, you're partying all the time, you know, this and that. And I would say, yeah, but no, but it's different. Like my friends don't feel the same way that I do. Like, I, you know, so we went through that and, you know, you know, people around me thought that I was like a hypochondriac, um, you know, including family members, no joke. People thought that I was a hypochondriac. I don't, I don't hold any grudges about it. Um, you know, and you know, it's, it's understandable to an extent, you know, because these are just aren't things that are known mainstream. And, um, so, but down the, down the line, my mom realized that something was definitely wrong and she was in full support. Um, you know, my dad's always in support too. He's not type of guy that wasn't supportive. Um, and you know, my mom was going with me on doctor's appointments and stuff like that. And, and when we, when I got the Lyme diagnosis, yeah, my, my mom was, uh, really relieved, uh, as I was, cause she knew, well, <laughs> so I got to backtrack. The reason I was relieved when I got that diagnosis, as you may be familiar with, is it's just like, you know, you would think that you would be upset that you got a diagnosis, but when you went so many years not knowing what the hell is going on, when you get a, di a positive diagnosis, you know, that's like, I, at the moment, I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing because now I have an answer and now I can fix it. Yeah. What I didn't realize was that it's not easy to fix. You know, <laughs> that I figured out later. Yeah, you know, I also had mono um, when I was in the seventh grade, a pretty bad case of mono and um, I had had chicken pox before that and I even got shingles when I was 17 like I I just sort of guess I you know had that genetic willingness of my body to sort of attach itself to different things along the way but yeah, yeah I think you're right when you get the diagnosis and then you read a little bit about Lyme disease it all started making sense to me all of it and then you you load in there the ebv or mono whatever it is for you and it just all really really makes sense so that's the relief the struggle is in the fact that you know with a cancer diagnosis or some of the other 
really big illnesses, you have a protocol. Um, whether that or not that's healthy or not healthy is a different situation, but I agree with you. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword getting um, the actual diagnosis. Um, let's talk about being a young adult male within your, within society. I mean, it's hard enough to convince your family members what's going on. And when you don't have an answer, it's hard to be in limbo and be wondering. So you start wondering aloud and you yeah. think that your family is going to be there and understand you because they've known you your whole life. They know you're not like this, right? Mm -hmm. But we start talking about it. And I'm just wondering what it's like with your peers and what it has been like um, throughout the years with friends and being, you know, being not being what you're supposed to be, which is, you know, super cool macho, you know, going never saying no to anything and all that how has that um worked in your life yeah this is uh this is a big one because you know i i think that particularly when you don't have an answer as to why you don't feel well uh that doesn't help like like when you tell people you know as i mentioned you know you know, I, I've just always um, been socially active. So, you know, my friends would expect me to be engaging in certain activities. And, and again, I forced myself to do that for a long time, but eventually I just stopped. And I was, so, you know, it definitely, you know, hurt some of my friendships because um, people didn't understand, people didn't know why I had stopped you know, it's like, you know, well, I want to hang out with my friends, but if all we're going to be doing is drinking alcohol, uh, then, you know, that's not going to work for me anymore, you know? So that's a big thing uh, that, you know, can take a toll emotionally, you know, you just feel like, well, well, man, this sucks, you know, I, and I can't really explain it properly. I don't know why I don't, I don't feel great, but I'm just not up to it. And I, you know, can't engage in these activities anymore and and yeah you don't even want to tell people that like oh you know I'm not feeling good and you know my body is hurting you know people uh you know when you're 23 and you're you have body pains all over uh which is what I had which is you know my whole body was hurting I had headaches I had brain fog um just confusion dizziness you know just getting up off the couch boom dizzy you know like really dizzy um and the, yeah you just you know you feel like you're supposed to be a young healthy man and and men don't you know complain about things and it's uh it's it's tough you know it's, but it's really tough that's a tough one because you know it's almost like Lyme disease is an umbrella, but what, what is coming off of each aspect of Lyme disease is depression, isolation. When you, when you really don't want to go out drinking with your buddies, you do miss out on a bit of social interaction and yep. meeting other people. And, you know, that's kind of a, a normal ish type way of meeting people when you're a young adult is going out to the bars and stuff. So I imagine that that created a whole second layer of emotional depletion for you. For sure. Uh, and stress, 
you know, well, especially when it came to work. I mean, you know, when I had to quit a job that I had in New York City because I, I couldn't handle the commute and the pressure of the job, you know, I, I, I was embarrassed. You know, I felt like I was a loser, you know, but I was like, well, why can't I do this? You know, am I just not, uh, am I missing something genetically? Like, it, why, why am I not able to meet, why am I not able to hold down a regular job? Like, so you start thinking about all these things and, and, and that makes you stressed. And what makes you even more stressed is when the doctor tells you nothing's wrong. So. Yeah, I, I have been there many times. I, I remember going into the doctor and being in so much pain and being barely able to sit on the table. I mean, because I had such bad... Wow kidney pain and you know at first it sort of started migrating around my body i don't know if anybody else out there experienced this but it was sort of like lodge in a certain part of my body and just keep going around and around and around and um wow. it was extremely stressful and 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 yet nothing no test was coming up with anything and they just finally said i think it's a pain disorder i was like no it's oh. not <laughs> oh, nice. it's just really not yeah being your own advocate is huge. So let's, um, so, so you had the diagnosis of Lyme and a few other viruses, a few viruses along the way, I should say. And then you started working with an LLMD, um, a Lyme literate doctor. And what would you say was your first sign that you were making a turn for the better? So, well, the the doctor that I ended up seeing, um, okay, well, I actually have a, a funny story and I can make it really quick, um, where I started, I, I actually never turned the corner through a doctor. I turned the corner through doing my own research. Um, and that's why I'm such a big advocate of being your own doctor. You know, nobody's more motivated than you are to figure it out. So I just you know, for a while I gave up, you know, after our, the antibiotics didn't work, I gave up, you know, for several years. I would say I was, I was diagnosed when I was around 25 and I took the antibiotics until when I was around 26. And then after when, between when I was 26 and 28, I was just like, screw it. I'm not, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to give up. But then I went back to a period where I, where I started, I was like, I can't deal with this. You know, I feel like, hell all the time. I need to start looking into this again. So I started just being really vigilant about seeing different doctors. You know, I started trying to see, you know, thyroid doctors, right? I was just like, oh, maybe something's wrong with my thyroid. So one day I was Googling thyroid doctors. I, I came across this doctor who, you know, I, I ended up seeing him and he doesn't just specialize in thyroid. He specializes in a lot of different things. Um, and this guy was actually he was a chiropractor. Um, he wasn't really, really a doctor, but he was doing a lot of functional medicine stuff. And um, I went to this guy for a free consultation. I never used his services because this guy, so I, I find it really funny. I, I don't know why it's, it might just be funny to me, but you know, he was more of a business guy than a doctor. And, and I could tell immediately when I walked in, you know, he had a really fancy suit on and he was presenting me with this, these packages and telling me, he's like, I'll have you healed in three months. And he's like, I have the, the bronze package, the silver package, and the gold package. 
right? And he's like, if you do the bronze package, you know, I'll have you pretty good. Uh, if you do the silver package, you'll be even better. And then if you do the gold package, you know, you'll get access to some of my electromagnetic pulse machines, whatever he's talking about, and this and that. So I never saw him because these packages were like $10,000 and, and above. Uh, but in that consultation, he mentioned some very key, key words that I took away that changed my life. So all it took was a free consultation where he said the terms autoimmune. Now, at this time, I was about 26, uh, no, I was 27, 28. I had never heard the term autoimmune before. I didn't know what that meant. Now, that's a problem. You know, how come my primary doctor had never talked to me about autoimmune? You know, why has no other doctor that I've seen ever, why am I just hearing about autoimmune for the first time? So this is part of what contributes to my distrust of the whole conventional medicine system. You know, that's a separate thing. Um, another term was inflammation. Mm -hmm. The first time, you know, he talked about how inflammation is the cause of like every disease known to mankind. You know, like it's all, it all comes back to inflammation. And he was talking about the gut brain connection and basically how the gut, you know, is the, the center of your health. And so he said all these things. And now I went home and I started Googling these terms and I started learning about all this stuff. And I, um, I eventually read about what was called the autoimmune paleo diet, where, you know, it it's, it's an elimination diet. You know, you're cutting out the idea behind the, the elimination diet is to cut out any possible foods that could be causing problems, you know, in terms of inflammation or if you're sensitive to them in any way, you know, the idea behind it is to cut out all possible things. Now, I know everybody's different, you know, like some people have problems with red meat and red meat's actually allowed on the elimination diet. I know some people have problems with coconut, coconut's allowed on the elimination diet. So everybody needs to kind of figure out what works for them. But when I went on this elimination diet where I cut out gluten, grains in general, dairy, eggs, legumes, beans, seeds, um, you know, pretty, it's, it's pretty much you're eliminating like all processed foods. So you're eating like all organic. Um, you're, you're, you're cutting out caffeine. You're cutting out alcohol. What I about did dairy? That. Did you say dairy? Sorry. I believe I said dairy. I hope I did. Okay. That should be on the top of the list. Okay. Um, now, the only reason I did this diet is because I read about it and it was talking about, you know, and this doctor that I saw had mentioned inflammation and, and, you know, it was just everything that I was reading was saying that this could help. So I did it. And I'm not kidding you within 48 hours, my life changed. It was just, whoa, I feel totally different. Like I feel sharp mentally. I feel like I don't need 10 hours of sleep. Um, I, my body pains went away. My headaches pretty much went away. Um, now I'm not going to say like I was all of a sudden the epitome of health. Um, that's far from true, but what is true is that all of the symptoms that were stopping me from living a normal life, you know, to the full extent that I felt I should have been, uh, was, was pretty much gone. And so that's the turning point for me. And, and, you know, what that led to was my 
me just having a lot of curiosity as far as like, well, why, why do I feel so much better on this very strange diet? Like what is something's happening here? I don't know what, like, I don't know how this is really connected to Lyme disease. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. So I started just looking into it. And in the end, I, I do believe it's connected to Lyme disease because it, you know, it, it has to do with just reducing overall toxic burden on your body and allowing your body to um, have the strength to deal with its immediate battles, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, I, I just, curiosity led me to seeing more functional medicine doctors, not the guy that wanted to charge me 10,000, but other more affordable people um, who started giving me, you know, I had a doctor that, that I really liked that was giving me um, herbs for a while. You know, like I, I was like a mad scientist. I had like, you know, 20 bottles of liquid herbs, um, which I, I, I think they helped. Um, I did, you know, concoctions of liquid herbs for like a year. And, um, you know, I was taking chlorella. She diagnosed me with, you know, high levels of heavy metals. We did heavy metals tests. We did mold. I had high levels of mold. Um, like I said, high levels of heavy metals. I started going on, you know, active detoxes. So, you know, but to answer your question shortly, um, the turning point was that, you know, when I learned about the elimination diet. Yeah. Uh, it's huge. And you know, what's interesting is a lot of times I'll post about food and diet and it typically gets like the lowest engagement on my platforms. Um, <laughs> That's probably so why I have no followers. <laughs> I, I, and you know, and to be fair, when I was going through everything and in so much pain, my entire body, I could barely have the sheets over me when I was trying to sleep. It was just, my nerves were just on fire. And I really probably couldn't have listened to, you know, you know, eliminate gluten and grains from your diet because it just didn't make, I just couldn't see that right then and there. I was like, I had to go to a doctor, a conventional way. I had to kill the bug. I had to kill the disease. I had to, I, the only way I could do that was through chemicals and, and, you know, pills that they hand you over, you know, a prescription and all that. And it's just not something that people really are willing to accept when they're in that acute state. Um, it's, it's just something that they kind of get when they're in the middle of their journey. I would say, generally speaking, they kind of start, okay, my acute, my acute symptoms have settled down a bit where right. I can now go to the next stage of my, of my growth. And, you know, I love, I love watching you in social media because you make it fun. You make it you know, you bring such energy to it. You bring such knowledge, you know, uh, about being a health detective and reading the labels and you go into real specific stuff uh, that would have never really crossed my mind. You know, things that are in everybody's everyday, you know, realm of eating and drinking and, and, you know, just different toxins that were not even that were the whole orange juice thing really blew my mind <laughs> because you would think that you could buy orange juice in a carton and it does say 100% natural and you know no no added things tell tell everybody just a, a second of that about yeah well so, so yeah the funny thing is you know a lot of these um inf informative videos that I make you know I, I've just become obsessed with 
um, like, well, what else is out there that I need to know about what I'm putting in my body? Because again, you know, I, I can't, I couldn't explain what was going on. So these are things that I, I'll literally just, I'll, I'll research it. And then whatever I learn, I'll, I'll put a video about it. Um, but yeah, what I learned about the orange juice is, you know, that, that they are, um, you know, they're taking the, the orange juice, they're extracting the oxygen from the orange juice. So who knows what that leaves you with? It leaves you with something, uh, some, some kind of liquid, right? And then, so, the, but the most interesting thing is then they use aspects of the orange, like the peel, I guess, mainly the peel and, and pulp, apparently, um, to, to make these, what they call flavor packs, which, you know, the funniest thing, <laughs> the funniest part about it was that the flavor packs are created by companies like the same type of companies who create fragrances for cologne and perfume because apparently like depending on what country you're in the population has a different expectation for what orange juice is supposed to taste like and that's another thing that i refer to is the fact that every orange juice brand tastes different and that's because they're creating these flavor packs that are designed to taste different. Like if they're marketing an orange juice to Mexico, they'll make the flavor pack taste how Mexico wants it to taste. And they're designing it for the US, they'll make it how Americans think orange juice should, should taste. The, the bottom line is that none of them taste like how an actual fresh, freshly squeezed orange you know, would taste. And, and I can tell a huge difference in the taste. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really understand it fully but somehow chemicals end up in these flavor packs and they're allowed to leave it out of the, you know, the packaging and the label because I, I guess it just has to do with the way they're processing the peels and, and converting them into these, into these flavors. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It is crazy. And, 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 and you wonder what everybody's regulations are in different countries as well. You know, I live in California, I go and I buy my produce and, I started noticing that certain things in the produce section didn't look the same as I was used to seeing. And, you know, well, oh, we're having a shortage in Argentina on this. And, you know, I was like, wait a minute. I live in Southern California where we should be growing our own oranges, you know, and, and lemons and just some basic fruits and vegetables, but we're still importing so much. And, and I, I just thought that was so curious, you know, I mean, are we paying attention to what they're doing with, I'm, I'm just saying countries in general, I'm not, yeah. I'm not specifically pointing yeah. out Argentina, but, yeah. I, but I am trying to say, how do we know what's going on? Maybe it's healthier. Maybe their, their, their soils are organic and actually a healthier way. But I just thought it was really interesting how, you know, even in this, wonderful mild climate we're still reaching out to import so much of our foods mm -hmm. absolutely and you go into on your um on your social media tips for feeling better and yeah. and in addition to reading labels and paying attention to what you're putting into your body what are some other tips that you have found helpful that you can just let us know right now yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> the number one thing that I always say is stay gluten free. Um, and I pick on, uh, you know, sugar, dairy, and gluten. 
those I call, I call the big three. Um, and, you know, I want to preface everything that I'm going to say by saying that I truly, truly, truly believe that everybody is different. Um, you know, especially, you know, we know, we know that everybody is different, different genetically. You know, we know that historically different cultures have ate very different diets, which in my mind, you know, I don't know the science behind it at all. And quite frankly, I don't care. You know, I just think of things logically, you know, it's like if, a if a certain culture got very used to eating a particular food, maybe their bodies adapted to eating that particular food. Whereas somebody else across the continent, you know, on a different continent, continent maybe didn't, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to explain why people have different, you know, issues within their gut lining and why they can't handle certain things. But gluten and dairy particularly clearly are affecting a much larger pop portion of the population than people think or thought, um, you know, gluten free, is definitely, you know, it shouldn't be seen as like a trend to be healthier. I mean, I, I think people hop on the gluten-free trend and they don't even know why, you know, but, you know, especially for people that are dealing with chronic problems, um, <clears throat> you know, the proteins that are found, you know, the gluten damages the line, the lining of the gut. Uh, that's the main thing with gluten. Um, it, you know, will cause, it can lead to leaky gut syndrome, um, which is a, a condition where your gut is actually leaking. You know, there's holes in the gut uh, because your body is having so much of a problem breaking down this gluten. Um, and apparently the gluten in America is, you know, particularly worse. I guess it has to do with the way that they, you know, the way that they harvest it. Um, apparently it has like 10 times more gluten than the wheat that's grown in Europe. Um, you know, a lot of people apparently that come from Europe to America, all of a sudden they have problems with gluten. Um, so, you know, but it's, it's clear that a lot of people can't digest it. Um, and it's causing problems within the gut, which leads to inflammation, uh, and inflammation leads to disease, you know, or it at least can contribute to the beginnings of chronic disease. And a lot of people don't realize this. So, and it, gluten's not essential. Um, and same thing with dairy, you know, dairy is not essential. Um, a lot of people think that you need like milk to have strong bones and uh, all this other stuff, which is turning out to not really be true, you know, based on evidence and studies. And, um, you know, the majority of the population can't properly break down uh, lactose or, you know, the proteins such as casein and whey. Um, and, you know, it's just not essential for you. So when your body can't break it down, it causes inflammation. It all comes back to inflammation. Um, so, and sugar, sugar is going to cause uh, inflammation. You know, sugar is something that we should not be getting outside of, you know, naturally from food. Like I, I really like fruit. I include fruit in my diet. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't understand the full idea of why sugar from fruit is, is better. Um, but you know, added sugar just has no place in anybody's diet. You know, you're not, you're just damaging your, first of all, you're, you're damaging cells. There's evidence that it causes cellular damage. Uh, when you have too much sugar, it releases free radicals into the bloodstream. Um, 
which is not good for you. And you know, it'll, it can lead to insulin resistance. So this can lead to diabetes. We just don't need nearly as much sugar as people think. So I don't think anybody should be eating sugar, number one, and gluten and dairy, I would say, definitely try cutting it out of your diet. So that was a really long number one, because I covered three things there. The, the next ones I'll make a little quicker. So second one I'll say is, is I, I think there's absolutely no reason to eat anything that's not organic. Um, now I do understand that this is very difficult to do. So, I mean, I'm just an advocate of eating organic as much as you possibly can. Um, because, you know, it's kind of crazy how, you know, organic food is labeled as organic, right? Regular food is not labeled as anything regular, you know, processed food, we call regular food. So regular processed food is what our culture and our society has become accustomed and conditioned to, which is really crazy if you want to think about it. You know, like I think it should be the other way around. I think processed food, like the majority of the food in the supermarket should be labeled as processed item. And it should be labeled as chemicals added, preservatives added, this added, that added. Shouldn't, you know what I mean? And then organic food shouldn't be labeled at all. That's, that's what real food is. And, and if you just think about this logically, why would you want all of these toxins and artificial things floating around in your bloodstream that your body has no idea what to do to, that what to do with? I mean, it's just insane. Like you would never, you know, you posted something a long time ago that I responded to about, you know, the way that you treat your, or you said something about if you shut down something, you know, I was talking about how if you, if you restart your computer, you know, that helps uh, to, for your computer to function better. People don't restart their bodies. Well, it's the same thing with what people are putting in their bodies. You would never, you would never put, for example, the wrong gasoline in your car. You know, you just, you wouldn't think about doing that. You'd be like, no, I, I can't do that. But people are constantly putting the wrong gasoline in their bodies. It's, it's, a, it's unbelievable how society has become accustomed to that as being the norm. Um, so these toxins build up in your body and ultimately they cause inflammation. They cause your organs to not be able to function optimally or properly. When your organs don't function optimally or properly, your body operates as a system. So if your liver is overloaded with toxins, then it's like dominoes. You know, other things start to fall because the health of your liver, I've actually learned recently, is like extremely important, you know. Um, and it our really liver, is. It's your only way to really detox in a big way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you just got to, I think you got to get all of these artificial things out of your bloodstream if you want to avoid... Um, you know, firstly, feel better immediately and avoid long-term problems. Uh, another tip I'd like to say is for me personally, I've found fasting in different ways to make big differences for me. Um, now, I agree I, a thousand percent. Love okay. it. Yeah. Okay. So do you do fasting at all? I feel like if I need, if I'm starting to feel as though either... I'm sluggish, I have pain, I have kind of, inf I wake up with inflammation in my body. I find the quickest fix for me is to do a fast. I have yes. done, I've done variations of fasting. I've done the Prolon method. I've also done intermittent fasting, which is 
um, which that works for me. I yeah. have never tried a water, you know, fast. I think I could do it for three to five days, but all in all, I think everybody needs to obviously see a doctor before you start doing that. But I would say that now I'm in remission, but I wish I would have known that earlier is that that is the fastest way for me to stop all the reactions going on in my body. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and again, you know, I agree with you that whoever's listening to this um, should definitely check with their doctor. It's certainly a controversial topic, fasting, you know, and some people's bodies just for whatever reason might not be equipped to deal with the, the types of stresses that fasting puts on your body, you know, so yeah, but, but fasting has increased my energy levels. Fasting has made me think more clearly, certainly while I'm fasting. Uh, I like that for when I'm working. Um, and I've noticed that it, it increases my strength uh, when I'm exercising. It makes me more capable of exercising. So also um, it makes you aware of when you do go to eat something or drink something, it makes you aware of how that's reacting in your body because you, you're sort of, you're resetting. And so everything's sort of at ground zero. And then, in, and you know, I could have a food and then I would notice that the introduction of, of a particular food would immediately start a reaction to me. So I just know to stay away that away from that. It's not a, um, it's, it's, it's for me, it's nothing permanent. It's just, it, I, I know to stay, okay, I'm not going to do that for like three months and I'm just going to give that <laughs> yeah. part of my diet a rest. So fasting's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fasting. And then uh, I was going to say, I, I think that alcohol, man, cutting alcohol out for the most part, uh, big difference you know like i said you know my my hangovers were, were horrendous alcohol is just really toxic to the body i think you know that's another thing that i find it, it's it's unbelievable how certain things are just widely accepted by society and it's almost to the point where you feel like you're an outcast if you don't take part you know not drinking alcohol is really tough um you know in business it can hurt you because you you know you might want to you know if it's you know meet different people and network, uh, go on business meetings, whatever it is that you may do. It's so ingrained in our culture and it can hurt your friendships, you know, as we talked about before. So it's really, a, it's really a sucky thing. Um, but if you can figure out a way to cut out alcohol and, and still enjoy life to the max, which is what I, you know, I really promote that. You know, I, I, I openly admit that, you know, if you see me at a wedding or something, you know, I'll probably be drinking because like, I still want to have fun in life. And, you know, for major events like that, I just, I just know that it's going to impact my body. But so I accept it. Um, even that being said, though, I'll keep it limited. You know, and the type of alcohol you drink is important. Like I'll just drink a, a small, you know, vodka club. Uh, and I don't touch beer. I don't touch anything with sugar added, like the mixed drinks. Forget about that. I mean, that's so, you know, we're talking about alcohol, very, very limited. I think that's a huge thing. I also think I'll, I'll include this in the same one is, is limiting caffeine. Everybody has a kryptonite. Caffeine is my kryptonite. I haven't been able to cut out caffeine completely, but I really hope I can, man, because I, I know that that's a big thing that can lead to people feeling better. Just from all the research that I've done, caffeine definitely stresses the body. 
And depending on how healthy you are, especially your adrenal glands, um, your body just might not be able to handle caffeine. So um, that's, that's that. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I had a fifth one, but I'm, I, I don't remember what it was right now. Well, I mean, just going back to the caffeine, you know, I, I think there's there's ways I kind of go around it too. There are a lot of times I go for a month without any caffeine in the morning. And then there are times where I, I want, just, you know, but instead of getting the latte, you know, now I just sort of adjust it and I'll do a green tea uh, in the morning and that seems to be just fine. And or I'll have a latte with, without dairy, without, you know, with almond milk or whatever. So, um, yeah. and just doing one cup and just really limiting that and not having it go on and on all day and things, things like that. So, I mean, these are great yeah. tips that our listeners can just take away immediately. And, yeah. and for many people out there, I want you to just really surrender to what he's saying. It's very hard to make lifestyle changes. Um, I see people, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, I see people, I follow a lot of people. And I want to learn from everybody out there. And I see people struggling and struggling with pain. But then they'll make a post about what they made for dinner last night, you know, and it's just <laughs> laden. It's laden with oh, these man. kinds of things. And I'm just, uh, I just want you to know that food is your fuel. And, yeah. and even if you have to make these changes, just take it, you know, a month at a time or six months at a time and just say, I'll, I'll go back to that maybe other way of living. But, you know, to give it a try and to really just stay committed. A Justin, if you follow him, he, you will have no choice but to stay committed because every day he brings in enthusiasm and energy, you know, just a real, just sort of no, no fluff and all that stuff. He's just really just bare bones. Do this, don't do that, pay attention to this. Um, and you will notice some changes. I promise. I, I just don't, I just can't stress it enough. So thank you so much for coming on. There's so many other things I'd love to talk to you about. Maybe we'll yeah. have you back on and, and go into mold and, and heavy metals and all of that. But, but thank you so much for being an inspiration to, um, like I say, you know, even though you're a, a young adult, you've learned a lot in a short period of time that people of all ages can relate to. And your story is not very um, unique. It's, it's right. what we have all been through. But right. I think you put your, your way of handling the situation in a very concise and direct form that oh, so. many, many people can relate to. And I just appreciate you reaching out to having your passion, helping others. So thank you from our community to you. Just thank you so much. And we will be following you. Um, again, his Instagram is Justin is not a doctor. That's right. In all the that. right ways you would normally spell that. Um, <laughs> and and right. thank you again. We hope to have you on soon. And we'll do a live yeah. Q&A too. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, thanks so much, Allie. I'd just like to say that it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm really glad that we got in touch. And um, yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Stay gluten-free, everybody.